Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Hipsters Chronicles. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the Crypto Hipster, where from the period of time of March 2021 through June 2022, I interviewed 182 founders, executives, entrepreneurs, artists, and authors from over 50 different countries and built a global audience in 165 countries while posting and producing my podcast at the Irish Tech News platform. Since then, I realized there's a lot of incredible content in the interviews that I had and my interviews with thought leadership podcast interviews that had amazing gems, amazing gems from um, all the guests that I was able to interview. And so I've chosen and decided to create the uh, Crypto Hipsters Chronicles series, which is a series of the gems, the, the little tiny pieces from each of the interviews that I had in the areas of Bitcoin, Ethereum, metaverses, NFTs, regulatory issues in crypto globally, art, and you name it across the wide spectrum of different verticals in blockchain and crypto industry and in fintech and mobility and sustainability as well. Uh, these are about 15 minutes long, each uh, chronicle, and has three, four, or five different segments from different interviews. So I hope you enjoy them. Uh, I hope you have uh, learned a lot. And if you'd like to um, listen to the full podcasts, they are available online at both the Irish Tech News um, and on Anchor. And uh, in a future date, will be available on the Crypto Hipsters station as well. So please enjoy and uh, talk to you soon. Welcome to Crypto Hipsters Chronicles, Episode 6. Mob stars, apes, stars, and orangutans. For this episode, we have excerpts from interviews with Philip Colbert, with Lobsteropolis, with Sarah Namadi, with Seamork, Joey Dunn, with LaDrop, with Cheese, and Andy Alexin and Daniel Krivoruchko, with Casoids. Enjoy. So I want to ask you about this. Um, there's a UK animal welfare bill out there. Um, uh, what is it all about? What legal protections will the bill provide to protect wildlife? Um, why does it matter? Well, if you're referring to the bill that recently declared lobsters as sentient beings, is that the one? Because there was a recent um, bill that declared lobsters and um, crabs and things were, were were sentient beings and basically had had uh, could feel pain, so they they, they um, restricted lobsters being boiled alive, which is a tradition. Um, so they made that legal to eat a lobster by boiling it alive. Um, and I think it was just a sort of trying to acknowledge the um, the fact that lobsters are more complex species than maybe people imagine, and just trying to treat them slightly more humanely. I mean, I think the bigger, I mean, there's a great essay actually, Consider the Lobster by David Foster Wallace, which is an amazing sort of critical 
analysis really on the lobster consumption food consumption industry in Maine and it, I guess it just a, it opens a, a wider subject which is I guess the way we treat animals and the way we treat factory farming and large-scale um, consumption of, of animals and stuff so I think I think you know that I think the more considerate we become as a, a nation or people I think the more we will consider the the process of consumption and the, the way we we harvest and our kill added food, food to eat and try to make it more considerate. Yeah, that was the entryway. Um, my, is my first question. The second question is a little bit deeper is how do you think your project, the metaverse and your project lobsters can make a real difference in environmental protection, you know, uh, marine conservation, you know, and improving the rights of animals on the planet? So, I mean, for me, the, the you know, my focus is the lobster. You know, uh, you know, we can only, I think sometimes the, the key with these things is to try and focus on something you think you can make an impact with. And I think for me, it's very logical that I should be, you know, um, you know, my, my mission in a way to like elevate the perception of lobsters, like, because that's my, that's my particular persona, you know, it's what I'm connected to. So if, for me, that's my focus, like to, 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 to take to shine a light on the lobster species and to help elevate public perception of lobster intelligence, and I think to do that for me that that elevates people's perception of the of, of the species and it will make people more interested in the species. And I'm I'm pretty sure that we will uncover crazy facts about lobsters, like you know the, the remarkable you know communication skills and language skills of lobsters. So basically, the um, yeah, so I, I, like uh, the the community goal from my, the Lobsters project is really to be able to have a press conference in a year where we basically, um, you know, release the findings of, of of our scientific research, which we're working with various scientific labs in the UK who are like lobster specialists, and and we're really going to release like the most comprehensive to date, um, you know, sort of study of lobster language. Um, you have a unique perspective because you are calling for more women to become involved in crypto and blockchain, you know, especially with the NFTs. So I wanted to find out first what your call to action for women are um, to the industry and how could you help uh, them to, um, you know, heed your, why should they heed your call and take action? Yeah, uh, NFT word is an inclusive word for everyone so why not have more women in it it's it's actually funny how many times people send me message in the nft space starting with hey bro what's up man they kind of automatically think whoever is in this space should be should be a guy women are still highly underrepresented in the crypto art world as uh, in the traditional art world too uh, even for women who are active and acknowledged in the traditional space, we still see a large uh, gender pay gap. Even at high-level auction houses, we saw that uh, featured female artists were at the bottom of the list when it came to sales numbers. And this has this is not a reflection on the quality of the art, but you know the disadvantaged place of women in the world. There are some, but uh, not many initiatives that try to tackle this issue. For example, the Board Ape uh, Ladies Artist Collective that I'm part of, each month they invite 12 new female artists to collaborate on their project. And it's not excluding anyone, like men and nine binary people can join too. 
But uh, the focus of this project, of this collective, is on women. And it's amazing how much support we can give each other by just being part of a team. And, you know, this in industry that started from all male founders and followers early on has grown to provide utilities that can engage many and, like, everyone. And NFT space is growing really, really fast every day. So I think now is the chance for women to be equally involved. You know, artists, if they're artists, artists is a passion is to create and connect with other people. You you don't really need uh, any, you know, any prior knowledge uh, in crypto or in blockchain. You just need some motivation, which which is coming from within. And uh, you can you can enter the crypto space. Uh, very, very easily. You just have to be willing to connect with more people, even if it's virtual and digital connections, and the ambition to get your art out there in the world for everyone to see. Um, many of the current art and creative work may not be worth much in the future, but I think what will define the, their success and impact is if they combine their passion and ambition with, uh, with something that really affects uh, people's lives. So in addition to uh, celebrities, you have some experience with um, auction houses, actually. Uh, you told me a story, and I want, I'd like to, you to tell our audience about that story that you told me about a certain auction house in New York. Yes, absolutely. Um, so just to give you some a quick background, I guess, I have a few extremely rare NFTs by an anonymous artist that I'm basically looking to package together and either fractionalize the set of them or consign them over to an auction house so they can auction it off to the public. Um, so last Tuesday in New York City, I parked over by the Rockefeller Center, which is right by Christie's, and it only took me five minutes to get a parking ticket as I'm trying to figure out my street parking. But I'm like, well, if I have a ticket, I got some time. Let me walk around by NBC Studios, take a look around the Rockefeller Plaza, and then eventually just go right into Christie's auction house. And, you know, you go in there, it's, it's daunting. There's so many priceless works of art on display, uh, you know, but they all had price range tags on them because they're all for sale. But, you know, they're just from the colorful wall, Warhol pictures from you, when you first walk in, and then you see this $80 million Basquiat, you know, Picasso's, you name it. Um, but halfway through the gallery, I came across this painting by Claude Monet of his wife and kids in his yard, and it created intense emotions for me because it represented something that I'd wanted in life for a long time, but is no longer a viable option. Um, so I powered through the rest of the gallery, but I forced myself to look at this Monet just one more time for cathartic purposes. And I know it's a difficult, and sometimes you have to take the difficult path in life for ultimate happiness. So as I walked up to the Monet again, immense emotions repeated, you know, and after staying there for about five minutes, I wandered into the gift shop and the very first free sticker that I saw was that exact Monet painting that I just looked at again. And then seconds later, two women walk into the gift shop 
who appear to be customers, but they kind of sounded like they worked for Christie's. So after I picked out my free item, which they kindly give you, I politely asked the two women if, you know, I said, hello, I'm Joey Dunn. And I really wanted to say I'm La Drop with cheese just to get a reaction. But, you know, I, I asked them what the process would be to get some assets consigned over to Christie's. And they were generously explained how it works. And then I own that I mentioned that I own 1% of an anonymous artist NFTs. They immediately called down the NFT, NFT curator for Christie's. He and I spoke about the possibility and it's currently in the works where they're going to be validating my collection, which could potentially be in Christie's auction house here in the near future. So Incredible. it turns out that forcing myself to go back and do something difficult immediately afforded me the opportunity to meet a deputy chairman for Christie's auction house in the gift shop coincidentally. That's, 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 that's really great karma. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I um, mean, just if you're a good, if you're a good person, the universe will look after you. And I, that's what I firmly believe. Great. So, yeah, I would say the same thing too. Um, and you, <laughs> you and I, and and Andy, all three of us. You know, we are we are definitely in some kind of bubble. But you know what's not in a bubble is orangutans. And um, <laughs> you know, um, this interests me about your about what you're up to. It said, you know, kids always create the world of their own, but also your interests are to help protect wildlife. Um, and particularly orangutans, you know, and, and I mm -hmm. saw orangutans when I used to be a kid going to the zoo. And I wanted to find out, though, you know, seriously, um, how are you guys up to protecting the wildlife um, through your artwork? Uh, um, who, who's going to reply? Andy, me? Both. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Dane. Uh, okay, so, well, that was uh, the idea of my wife. Again, she's very involved with the project. And uh, from the day one, we didn't want to make it just a, like money grab uh, collection. So we wanted to give back somehow. And uh, we chose between tried to, to find different uh, charities uh, which uh, accept uh, cryptocurrencies as donations because uh, from the business side, it's so much easier for us because we, the crypto native uh, kind of uh, uh, business, because we we take in earn Ethereum and it will be 100% logical to donate as Ethereum too. So we looked through many different things and uh, she's very passionate about helping wildlife and we had history of donations, not on this size, but uh, as, as just like uh, regular persons. And uh, she's donating to bees and uh, to Amnesty International, which is not a wildlife, but still a <laughs> charity, and uh, to different, different charities. And uh, she found this uh, particular uh, charity, which uh, works with uh, wild orangutans, which uh, uh, are kept as domestic uh, animals in horrible conditions. So these guys are buying them out uh, 
out of the owners and spend some time trying to, if, if this is a young enough animal, they just train it to, to be able to get back to wildlife. And uh, if it's too old, they just uh, keep them and take good care of them. And uh, it's, it's a good thing. And uh, we decided to uh, have 20% uh, of our uh, income as uh, our earnings. Uh, as a charity donations, and uh, we kept doing that since start. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, like uh, the moment I start to convert it in in real money. It, it sounds ridiculous uh, because it's just a huge amount. At least for me, uh, I, I'm not used to donating this amount or earning this amount. Again, it, it was a huge success. I, I wasn't prepared. But uh, I'm glad that we are actually not only making our customers, collectors happy, but uh, we have some impact on real world and helping endangered uh, species to survive and uh, prosper.